folks, do you feel like everything these days is go, go, go? It's nonstop from work to friends to family and a million pressing issues. Sometimes you just need to take a playoff and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. Hey, it's that time of year in Minnesota again to get out on the lake, go to the cabin, sit back, watch the baseball. Coors Light is the perfect refreshment to chill during these summer months. There's only one beer out there that's made to chill. The mountains on the bottles and cans turn blue when your beer is cold, and that way you know it's time to chill. Hit that reset button with some mountain cold refreshment. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light is the one you should choose when you need to unwind. When you want to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Hi, Blue Wire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Blue Wire to bring you TE1, a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. Welcome into another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collard here, and joining me, a uh, former Creighton Durham Hall wrestler and football player, former Denver Bronco, a former Houston Texan, a Pittsburgh Steeler. Am I missing anyone? Uh, Ryan Harris, uh, who now is a sports talk radio host in Denver as well. What is up, Ryan? Not much, man. Doing well, doing well. Did, did I skip any teams in there? Was there a stint with uh, Kansas City or something? Yeah, yeah, played a year with Kansas City before I came back to Denver and won the Super Bowl. So uh had a tryout with the Vikings, but uh they ended up going a different direction as a guard got injured the game before. So a fun 10 years in the NFL, nine surgeries, and uh, huh. a fun retirement, I'll tell you that. Fun retirement, Matthew. Uh, yeah, I'm pulling up your Wikipedia page now, and it says you dislocated two toes, so uh, forget that. Um, also, I'll just add in that the Vikings have never made a mistake on the offensive line. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, them and every other team in the NFL. It's, it's amazing, though. Teams with good offensive lines consistently find the playoffs. I wonder if there's a connection there hmm, i don't know yeah i don't know <laughs> um i i guess if you went back and watched the vikings play the 49ers you might think uh last year in the playoffs that there might be a correlation between having some good offensive line play but uh well i do want to ask you about that and playing for gary kubiak and why he consistently has offensive linemen that succeed uh, we'll get to that in a second but i, I want to ask your opinion first on what's gone on today uh, in the nfl with a lot of players opting out and just as a former player if you were making this decision now whether to play in uh, 2020 how would you go about making that decision Ryan well you know for me as a father of three now it really depend on you know my family you know was I a parent am I bringing that home I mean even before COVID I mean you don't want to bring some of the things you can catch in the locker room home um but you know being an offensive lineman as well my body mass index was a little high you know and and a lot of guys, you know, people forget that NFL players are human beings. We have as many 
health issues and health histories as you do. And one of the things that you have to take into account, talking to a couple of agents, you know, they say every player's situation is different. And they're really, it's going to be tough when they, when they're inevitably become positive tests, you know, how players received that, how teams, if it was, you know, uh, if it was attracted in the, in the facility, how do they treat it? If it was, a player, you know, getting, you know, food, is that different? Will that affect them? So I know they've ironed that out in the CBA, but for me, I would just choose willful ignorance and just hope I don't get it and try and play. Because the other piece, Matthew, is about 70% of the NFL is broke right now, players. So they need money, and they'll they'll uh, risk everyone and everything to get it. Right. You know, when people talk about millionaires and billionaires, uh, there's a, the billionaires are all the owners, of course, and only a handful of the players are really the millionaires. And a lot of other guys are just fighting the good fight to try to become millionaires and get those big contracts. But it's a really not a huge percentage of the NFL that has Patrick Mahomes type contracts or whatever Delvin Cook might eventually get. So these decisions end up being financial and most guys can't just sit out. Uh, what is your confidence on how the NFL will be able to protect players in terms of their safety. We know there's uh, no 100% way to keep COVID entirely out when you have so many guys. There will be 80 at each camp this year. Um, But NFL teams also have more resources than anybody else to test and to put in whatever measures they can possibly put in. Yeah, well, one thing I've been saying on my show, Corona knows, right? I mean, Major League Baseball has had every incentive as well, and they've got, I think now the report, 17 players of the Marlins have tested positive, and, and even knowing that some were feeling sick Friday had played through the weekend. So uh, it, it will be difficult. You know, one of the things I think the NFL must do is start the season early. I mean, why not start the season in August? Give yourself some some weeks on the back end to perhaps – replay some games if 10 or an entire team contracts COVID um, to really make it possible to finish the season because we forget this is the NFL is really the first uh, professional sport where they're starting a season um, after after COVID has hit. I mean, even Major League Baseball is in the middle of spring training. So the NFL is really the litmus test on can you finish and, and operate a full season. And going on what they have right now, there are just only training camp protocols they have, and, and some in-game protocols that don't make sense, like not being able to shake hands after you just put your hands on each other for the last 48 minutes. Um, you know, these are things that I don't think the NFL has figured out 100%, and I think anybody you talk to in the NFL will tell you, you know, the, the amount of risk is, is there, high, constant, and persistent, and they just have to do their best. Yeah, right. The The fact that – uh, Major League Baseball was not able to create a bubble, and neither is the NFL. It just leaves you open for one person getting it, and then it's spreading through a locker room like wildfire, and then you have to just hope that no one gets severely ill, which is the other part of this that we really don't talk about enough. It's, are they going to play? How many uh, coronavirus cases could you decide to ignore to keep playing week after week? But then there's the other element of it being a pretty serious risk, and some people having long-term issues with breathing Uh, there's a major league baseball player with a heart issue from catching coronavirus and I I guess I have so many questions Ryan just about how they will handle it when the time inevitably comes that there is a Marlins of the NFL will they just say hey quarantine those 15 guys let's get out there and play on Sunday or would they have to shut it down because 
the team they just played would all have to be tested again and all have to be maybe quarantined or wait. The team they're about to play wouldn't be able to play them. I mean, there's just so many things that we don't know. Well, the good thing about the NFL is that there's so much talent that even a guy like Adam Thielen can be undrafted and become one of the best receivers in the NFL, right? So the idea that just because you're not going to see Kirk Cousins doesn't mean that you're not going to see a quarterback that can help you win a game or that you're not going to see Delvin Cook doesn't mean that a running back, you know, can't help you win the game. I anticipate teams um, having using the extra players on the practice squad to run alternate practices and alternate schedule to that to key positions so you have an extra t- swing tackle, an extra guard center, uh, an extra running back and quarterback, you know, that can kind of do these things. So if anybody does get um, injured or sick from COVID, that you're able to plug and play some people who already know your offense or defensive scheme. Right, and uh, keeping the bigger practice squads really helps that, and the Vikings have a number of bench players who at least were here last year that would be able to step in that know the system. Uh, I'm curious about your opinion on this, Ryan, because you would know having this firsthand experience. Michael Pierce is going to opt out for the Vikings, so he's not going to play this year. Under the Zimmer era in Minnesota, they've always had great a great nose tackle in Linval Joseph, Pierce bringing a lot of the same skill set. Now that he's out, what does it do for a defense when they have one of those beasts in the middle that weighs 350 pounds and can take up two gaps? I mean, it just seems like uh, someone like Zimmer knows his stuff defensively, and he always wants to have one of those guys. Explain it to me from an offensive lineman's perspective. Yeah, when you have a big nose tackle or kind of inside defender, they're really a wild card because their penetration ruins zone runs and gap schemes. And if you stunt them at all, they really can cover three gaps, depending on if they guess right or not. And I go back to what Mike Tomlin always said when we were at the Steelers. He said, hey, if I'm building a defense, I want a big nose tackle up front. Casey Hampton, man. Yeah, I mean. He's a monster. And, and for every Super Bowl team, you can name one player, you know, on the inside that really wreaked havoc. Malik Jackson was that for us the year we won Super Bowl 50. And, you know, you can look back, Chris Jones last year for the Chiefs. So that's really an important position. And increasingly, that's a more athletic position than it typically was. I mean, Vince Wilfork, when he played that zero nose, he wouldn't go in many places. <laughs> but, but you got other guys that can do it. The benefit for the Vikings is you have one of the best young defensive ends in Daniil Hunter. I mean, Doing the sidelines for Monday Night Football on the Steeler on the um, Vikings Seahawks game, I got to see Daniil Hunter up close, and that is a dynamic player who really is going to make anyone with marginal talent on the inside look better than they are. Before we get back to the conversation, I want to remind you to go to SodaStick.com to get your original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. Baseball is back, and SodaStick just launched its latest partnership with Hormel Foods and the Tommy Watkins Foundation to pay homage to the Hormel Row of Fame. It debuted in the Metrodome in 1992, and though it's been long retired, you have an opportunity to check out the latest t-shirt called the Wiener Winner. Great for lunch, great for dinner. You remember how the song goes. For every t-shirt sold, Hormel Foods will donate $10 up to $10,000 to Tommy Watkins Foundation's backpack program supporting Twin Cities youth. We're going to hook you up also with free shipping for your Wiener Winner shirt. Use promo code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping. That's sodastick.com, S-O-T-A, S-T-I-C-K.com, original Minnesota sports-inspired goods, code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping. You're totally right about that, that they can survive losing a nose tackle 
And even if Everson Griffin does not return and go somewhere else, because Daniil Hunter is is so good uh, coming off the edge. But I think it is a significant loss for them stopping the run if nobody else can come in and uh, they might have to sign someone else. Um, you have experience playing for Gary Kubiak, and I kind of joke around on the show, Ryan, that everyone loves Gary because everyone I have ever talked to loves Gary. Uh, uh, can you explain this <laughs> to me? I mean – Gary Kubiak just seems to have a way of connecting with players that very few coaches ever do. Well, you want the steam room story or do you want the pregame story? You know, one example is in the steam room one day I'm walking in and uh, someone's got their socks on and they're laying out all over, you know, and it's steamy in there. You can't see it. And so I come in there as a veteran, you know, thinking it's some kind of rookie trying to get a hangover out. And, so I pick up, I, I tear off the socks and move the feet. So who the hell is this? You know, stop laying down in here. And Kubiak goes, hey, sorry, Ryan. I thought I was the only one. Oh, <laughs> coach, sorry. You know, and, and Gary Kubiak is a phenomenal coach for many reasons, one of which stems from the fact that he played at an elite level and won, championship with, won a championship as a backup with the Broncos, also has been around great coaches, and he understands players. You know, w- one example is we, we had a snowstorm flying into Chicago and, you know, we were about two hours behind. So he goes, Hey, we're going to have 15 minute offense and defense meetings, 15 minute special teams. And we're going to have a quick team meeting, and get to your rooms. Well, we won that game. And so I go to Gary afterwards uh, at breakfast the next day. I say, Hey, you know, Coos, did you notice, you know, we had shorter meetings and we won the game. He goes, <laughs> You think we should keep that up? I said, I think we should, coach. And for the rest of the season, we had these shortened meetings and won a Super Bowl. So he's receptive to ideas. He understands that his job as a coach is to prepare players and players to play. And he asks for players' input. I don't, I never played for a coach that not only himself respected players, but every coach on his staff understood what they were asking of players, had high expectations, and also knew that it's a tough game. Um, but the best thing Gary Kubiak did, before every game, playoffs, Super Bowl, he'd say the same thing. Hey, man, there are no mistakes out there on that field. If you make a mistake, it's on us as coaches. We didn't get you right before the game. Go out there, play fast, play with your personality, and let's have some fun. And when you get that kind of a green light from your head coach, uh, it really is is an enormous boost as a player. Yeah, I, I've heard that from numerous players about Kubiak of just even when he talks to the media – he finds a way to take responsibility for what happened himself and not just pin it on the players. So what happened out there and he's going to say, you know, well, maybe we should have done this or that also. Uh, and even quarterbacks, you know, my buddy Sage Rosenfels or I talked to Steve Berline about this, where if they made a mistake on a read, he would just ask them, well, what happened out there and how can we fix it the next time as opposed to, you know, going crazy. And I'm sure that that's part of his experience as a coach and actually being out there. I'm also sure that that's why he was laying down in the steam room and that man's got <laughs> old knees. He's got old knees. Hey. He was out there, right? <laughs> hey, man, get your socks out of here. You know, but you bring up a, a, a good point. You know, I never understand, and I see it more in young football. And I'm a guy who, who didn't start playing until I was 14 at Jimmy Lee Rec Center. Shout out to Jimmy Lee uh, there in St. Paul. But coaches will rip their players, and you need that player to help you win the game. Mm-hmm. So I've never understood that, and that's something Gary understands as a player. No player in the NFL is going to make a mistake and not know what happened. And if you're the type of player that's going to be successful in the NFL, you're already working on it before the, 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 the drive ends. And if it is a drive ending mistake, you're, you're, you're thinking about it on the way over. 
And instead of screaming at you, you have a conversation about it. And that really, that really continues to build production in the game as well as keep a player's confidence high, which if a player plays without confidence, it's over. And look for, no further than the last Super Bowl. I mean, down 10 points with seven and a half minutes to go, you know, Andy Reid could have screamed at mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes for yep. a second interception. Instead, he knew that Patrick Mahomes was going to be the only chance they had to get back in the game. You need that player. You gotta build him up. The time to tear him down and fix mistakes is the next day in meetings. Gary Kubiak has the least amount of ego that I've ever met in a head coach. Numerous times we come back at halftime and understanding what a team was going to do differently, maybe than we had prepared for. You know, he said, Hey, they're playing man. We're going to dial up our man beaters. Hey, they're mm-hmm. playing zone. We're going to dial up our zone beaters. And so many coaches in the NFL want to be the brilliant offensive mind that it doesn't matter what you do. Well, you can't stop us. Well, that's a great theory to have when you're drinking beers with your buddies, but that's not (laughs) how you win football games in the NFL. So his ability to change in-game as well as, you know, I think about one game we had and um, the year we won the Super Bowl, we were playing the the San Diego Chargers, and we were just running the ball like crazy. And we came out of a a drive where we stalled out throwing three straight passes, and I went up to him and said, Coach, we are kicking their ass up front. you got to let us run the ball. And I think we had over 200 yards rushing then for the day because he was willing to listen to the input and change what he wanted to do, what he thought was best, and play the game that was being played. And when you have a coach that can do that, you're so flexible, you're so lethal, and provided you got a defense that doesn't let the game out of hand, you can make some mistakes to make a bigger play later. Yeah, that's uh, remarkable, and I feel like I hear it more and more from the coaches that succeed of, of being flexible. And even Doug Peterson in the Super Bowl, uh, listening to Nick Foles to run the, the trick play, right? I mean, so yeah, really special, yeah. And, and the other thing is that NFL players now they just they know the game so well. Like uh, it's I don't know if this was that way uh, in the seventies or whatever, but players now, when you talk to them about X and o, X's and O's, it's like a lot of them could coach the team themselves if they needed to because they know so much about the game. So why wouldn't you take that input if you're a coach? You're only getting a lot of help there. Um, the, the other thing I wanted to ask you about Gary and, and your time in Denver, winning the Super Bowl and what it takes, Ryan, because I asked Gary myself like what it takes to get over the hump, and you know humble Gary he gave me the well you just got to get into the play you know how he kind of turns his head to the side and he says, well you know you know I just uh, I was out there building the fence uh, and I was thinking about this uh, anyway um yeah out, out on the ranch um so uh, maybe I will next time I see him give him a hard time about wearing his socks in the steam room but I don't know if I'm on that level <laughs> with Gary yet but uh he said his answer was well you just got to get in the playoffs and then you kind of see what happens but I tend to think that there's probably more to it than that so with a team uh like yours in Denver it, it was it was a complete team effort it was defense it was running the ball and Peyton doing what he needed to do at the right times what did you think it was that got you over the hump with that team specifically we had a great team, uh, historically great defense, um, and we had we had a veteran team that was unlike anything I'd been a part of, and myself included. You know, uh, much of the team had lost Super Bowl Forty Eight with mm-hmm. you know being one of the best offenses in history, and I think that experience really created the fact that we see every single Super Bowl the best team wins, and that's a team, and, and the best team is one that says no matter what the score is. We're winning this game. We're willing to do whatever it takes, however it takes, whoever needs to eat, whoever needs to have an empty plate, 
whoever needs to have a full plate, we're going to get this meal finished. And so we had an extreme willingness as well as a great, as well as with Gary Kubiak, one of the things he did after we won the AFC championship, which after beating the Patriots twice in the same year, no one had ever done that before. It'd be easy to feel good about yourself and spend time with family. He said, boys, I'm going to give you the next couple of days off. And when you come back, I need 12 days. I need 12 days from you guys to lock in. We'll win a championship and then you can do whatever the hell, hell you want. And heck, I might join you in some of it, you know, <laughs> yeah. but his ability to take this massive goal that had been elusive for most of the players on our roster, DeMarcus Ware, myself, Vaughn Miller, you know, Peyton after his first one, his ability to, to understand as players, we've got all this noise. Here's what it's about. I need 12 days from you, man. I need 12 days for you guys to become champions. Uh, who's not signing up for that? Hmm. So his ability to refocus. And, and so a lot of it is just on the team and the willingness and the, and the level of competition you're willing to go at and practice. Fights, we have fights all the time, but you know what? That's good because we're raising the bar. But then a coach that takes all of that talent and personalities and says, be talented, let your personality shine, and frames the, each victory for what it is to, to get to the next step. Yeah, and I found with the 2017 Vikings being inside that locker room, players pushing each other, there is no way to quantify the value of that. No matter what statistic you can look at, um, if you're having guys who are consistently making each other better and being selfless to, uh, you know, teach younger players or just compete with each other through training camp all the way through, uh, I think that's a key for what you see from good teams. Um, Ryan, before I let you go, I, I wanted to ask you about, your Broncos out there. You're in Denver. You work for 92.5 uh, in Denver. They're a really intriguing team, man, because I think that the roster is good. The weapons are good. And it seems like everyone there is high on Drew Locke. But when it's a second-year quarterback who hasn't had much experience, I don't know. Um, can you sell me on the Broncos or, or are you skeptical? Well, the key part about the Broncos is they got Noah Fan, Cortland Sutton, two two players, and Noah Fan's going in his second year. But Noah Fan had more receiving yards than Rob Gronkowski's rookie year, and he did so with three different quarterbacks over the course of the season. So you get some continuity at the quarterback position with Drew Locke, and that really helps not only in understanding cadence, understanding play calls in the huddle, especially when you're gasping for air. Um, those things do make a difference, and, and through stability comes wins in the NFL. Um, I'll also tell you they got some big pieces on defense coming back. Bradley Chubb, double-digit sacks his mm -hmm. rookie year. Missing him last year was big for the Broncos and a big reason why they weren't extremely successful. Also, big free agent signings. Bryce Callahan is a corner and Juwan James is a right tackle. Both of those players were injured throughout the season, uh, Callahan not playing at all. So that really affected them. You get multiple veterans back who have experience playing at a high level and, and, and producing at a high level. Uh, that's really going to help your team. The only bad thing is, is you're in the same division as the Kansas City Chiefs. It's going right. to be tough to win one, if not two, of those games. And then also the Oakland Raiders are a team that's very much under the radar. Derek Carr is an, un is an incredible quarterback. And with the weapons he has now uh, through the draft and, and some returning, um, they're going to be pretty good, especially with their running back from Alabama, Jacobs. Well, it's a really interesting team that you're going to get to cover. We will hope and cross our fingers that football does go off, or at very least that, um, you know, even if we have some starts and stops, we end up with a full season because the number of storylines in the NFL this year is outrageous. Tom Brady's in Tampa Bay, if we didn't forget. So there's a lot going on to cover. Uh, Ryan, you are awesome to follow on Twitter. You're, you're just... You, 
you're in the media. You've written a book called Mindset for Mastery. Like, you do it all, man. Thanks for coming on. I, I really appreciate connecting with you. Hey, Matthew, thanks for having me. And you know us Minnesotans do, th- do all things <laughs> very well. We'll get back to the conversation in just a second, but have you ever heard of DealDash.com? It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you'd never expect at a price that you'd never believe. They have over 1,000 auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at $0 and then goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is that the auction clock restarts every 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer or the item is yours. If you go ahead and buy now, Deal Dash is offering up our listeners 100 free bids upon sign-up on top of their other discounts. Go to DealDash.com and use the offer code INSIDER, DealDash.com.FM slash INSIDER. That is D-E-A-L-D-A-S-H dot F-M slash INSIDER. All right, welcome back to Purple Insider. We welcome in a guy who was on the show not that long ago doing a really in-depth, deep-dive breakdown. It was 30 minutes of hardcore nose-tackle football talk. And Luke Inman on uh, Tuesday, all of that put sticks of dynamite in it and blew it to a million pieces when Michael Pierce decided to opt out. You did a really, really great in-depth video on all the things Michael Pierce was about to bring to the Vikings. And you know what, Luke? You could bring it back in 2021 because he'll still be here then. Well, until then, I've I've officially put in my retirement papers. I'm done with the video breakdowns. <laughs> I apparently have a curse on this thing. I'm not going to put anybody else, any of the other 90 players in danger. I'm done. <laughs> we'll wait. I promise, Matt, I don't have a voodoo doll or anything over here. But, yeah, super unfortunate because that was obviously, as we'll get into, that was their one prize free agent. They didn't have a lot of money to work with the front office of the Vikings, and that was the one big splash that they went and made. Obviously, replaced Limbaugh Joseph, who was dominant for a few years, but um, I think myself and a lot of other people, we were excited to see what, uh, you know, hitting the reset button and get some rejuvenation at the nose tackle position was going to be able to do for this defense in front seven and and, and the rush defense, and uh, unfortunately, we just won't, won't, won't see that in 2020. We'll have to wait a year. Just the other day, on Saturday, Mike Zimmer was talking about how important it is to have that position, stuffing a couple of gaps, making life easier on the linebackers to shoot those gaps and and tackle running backs and things like that. Um, th- this is a really important position in Zimmer's defense. It's always not one that gets the most credit, the big fat guy in the middle. But I think when Linval Joseph was here, people really understood what that nose tackle does in Zimmer's defense and stopping the run on first down, even if it is – uh, changing to where teams don't run as much is vital for him to get teams in second down and long as many times as you possibly can. And that does become harder now because you lose one of the elite run stoppers in the entire NFL. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, Limbaugh at his peak under under Zimmer in this Vikings defense with Andre Patterson, 2015-2016, we saw a dominant nose tackle. And, and it wasn't just putting those teams in the second and long. It was eventually – the third and long situations that we saw really Mike Zimmer uh, really make his money. And, and I think those third and long situations you saw it in 2017 when they had the, you know, they broke the record for 
third down percentage stoppage basically and and it was under something like 22 percent something insane where teams just could not convert third downs on this defense because in large part they were put in such tough situations and got into those third and long situations so Linval the nose tackle position whoever it was they had a large part to do with that no doubt uh Linval kind of trailed off a little bit you saw it actually in 2018 the rush defense really slipped and you saw Mike Zimmer say, you know, that's just not our style. Mike Zimmer comes in in 2014. He takes over the league worst 32nd ranked defense. And he says, first thing we got to do, we got to stop the run. I don't care if it's a passing league Uh, and this team, what I want to do, we got to win in the trenches, both offense and defense. We got to run the ball. We got to stop the run. 2018, they started to slip a little bit. Last year, though, they kind of fixed that. They kind of tightened up some screws a little bit, and and they got back to Mike Zimmer football. And again, it starts with stopping the run on the early downs. And and I don't know the plan from here on out, man, because Michael Pierce, as you just laid out, Mike Zimmer said Pierce was going to fix. Um, you know, and be able to do a lot of things for this defense on early downs. I don't know what the game plan is going to look like now going forward with the personnel that they have. It seems like they just don't have a complete nose tackle on the roster, albeit they've got two or three names, which we'll go over, that that have some intriguing skill sets, but but not that one guy that's a complete nose tackle right now. Yeah, let's get into those. Uh, Armin Watts plays nose tackle week 17 and was great. Really he good. had a dominant week 17. We've discussed it a little bit from time to time on the show. And you could say, well, you know, Chicago maybe wasn't trying their hardest. But those are still NFL starting offensive linemen. He was getting after the passer from the nose tackle position, which you rarely see. But Linball did at his peak. And he was able to stuff the run at a reasonable enough level uh, to make it worth it to have him in there there are guys who can get after the passer from the nose tackle or three technique position that are not worth it in playing on first down because they'll just get steamrolled over so they end up being rotational players but Watts is a big enough guy where he might be able to handle the early down so he's my favorite to go in there assuming that they don't sign someone there are free agent options if they want to go that way yeah, no doubt. I think Armin Watts is by far the most intriguing because he's got the highest upside. He's still only 21, give me 22 this season. And, you know, as big as he is for 21, 22 years old, he still needs to get bigger. So double teams, he's still going to have some issues with, but you see the potential in the ceiling, as you saw, week 17. And even earlier than that, when they plugged him in once in a while, uh, he looked really good, quick off the snap, like you said. He can get into the backfield, a lot of tackles for loss quarterback hits, um, the pressure inside the pocket to collapse that pocket internally is something, again, like you said, you just don't see a ton from pure nose tackles. So whether it's him, Jaleel Johnson, who's played a little bit of both the three-tech and the nose, and then Shamar Stefan, um, again, a nose or a three-tech has that kind of versatility. You may see all three of those guys kind of mixing and matching a little bit, trying to fill the shoes of Michael Pierce. Meanwhile, who's going to fill the shoes of the three-tech then? Maybe if Betty Odenabo slides inside, Jalen Holmes is still a name to think about, and, and Hercules Mataafa. I think if we're excited about Armin Watts as a nose tackle, I'm just as excited to see Hercules Mataafa and what he's done this offseason and see what he can do as a three-tech because he's so quick too. And we haven't even mentioned any of the rookies. James Lynch, the Big 12 Defensive Lineman of the Year, Kenny Willekes, DJ Wanham, more edge rushers. But you've got a lot of bodies there, but certainly you're right. I think it's going to be a, a mix-and-match scenario between Watts, Jaleel Johnson, and, and Shamar Stephan, at least on the early goings here. We'll get back to football in just a second, but first, sports 
are coming back. So are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball finally kicking off, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, features, and props to bet on, all available at 24-7. So with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time champion Robert Ori. See what they had to say and what it's like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all of your odds and up-to-date sports news. And remember to use the promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE, BetOnline, your online wagering expert. I wouldn't be surprised either if they brought somebody in, some free agent who's a veteran that might not necessarily start but is another body that they could use. I remember in 2018, David Perry, what's he up to? These days, David Perry, they they liked him in that kind of role, and and they ended up cutting him eventually, but he made the team out of camp in part because he was that guy who could come in as Linval Joseph's backup, and Jaleel Johnson has filled in during the times that Joseph has been out at the nose tackle position, and he goes at about 315, 320. He's one of the more weighty guys, but Luke, I just haven't really seen it with him uh, making a difference. He's kind of just been a guy out there the times that he's been in. And now we're going on, what, year four for Jaleel Johnson. This is a huge opportunity for him, assuming they don't bring in someone who would be an instant starter off the free agent market. But that it's a big opportunity for Jaleel, who was not super thrilled on Twitter when he uh, heard a clip of our friend Sam Ekstrom and I talking about his status <laughs> for this year. But, you know, I, I, he hasn't done anything yet. And the times that he's filled in, it just hasn't been good enough to be a starter. This could be his chance to prove that he can be a starter, whether it's here in the future or when Pierce comes back, it ends up being somewhere else. Yeah, no doubt. I feel for Jaleel, man, because ever since the get-go when he was brought in from Iowa, I think 2015, that draft in the fourth round, um, the, the coaches have just kind of flip-flopped him quite a bit. Uh, he's flashed a little bit at nose. He flashed a little bit at three-tech. But, you know, now it seemed like, okay, with Michael Pierce signing, Jaleel's going to be used more as the three-tech than anything else. And now it seems like he's got to switch gears, not only physically, but mentally again now. And I just feel for him and, and, and you know, the disconnect with him and the coaches and the roster not being able to just pick one position and, and just develop at that it's I feel like it's kind of stunted his growth and development and and progression a little bit unfortunately so yeah you're right I mean you mentioned some other guys you know they could bring in you mentioned David Perry they could bring in a guy like uh, uh Pecco from from Cincinnati again has a connection with Mike Zimmer he's 34 years old though Snacks Harrison was in the division for the Detroit Lions. He's only 31, not nearly as much wear and tear. And he's a guy, compared to Pecco, that's got a little bit more push up the middle as far as collapsing the pocket, getting in the backfield. He's got a lot more tackles for loss. But it just doesn't seem like, and I want to get your take, it just doesn't seem like the Vikings are the team that usually um, kind of goes outside and signs these guys this late in the process. Yep. They want to solve these usually internally. They have faith in the process, the guys they drafted, the guys they brought in, and it's kind of that next man up philosophy, similar to what you always see in New England, the next man up philosophy. And 
I think, and you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they're going to end up saving quite a bit of cash here. Now that Michael Pierce is off the books, I think they got to pay him 350k, maybe 2 million signing bonus. So what do you do with that extra cash? I don't think they go sign somebody, but instead, now that you got some extra money to play with, maybe now is when we see a Dalvin Cook extension or somebody else. I think Cook and Anthony Harris are the two big names next year, but there's some other free agents, uh, Eric Wilson and and what what have you. So it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out. But I think if if I had to pick one solution, I think they want to solve this issue internally. And then again, that means Jaleel, Armin Watson, Shamar Stefan, probably a rotation, if anything. Well, that's what I was going to ask you is your opinion on if I give you $5 million in cap space, which is what I believe Michael Pierce opens up for this year, because that's all he was going to take up for this year. And then his cap goes up over the next two years. Instead, now his $5 million cap hit, from my understanding, will be in 2021, which actually does help them because mm-hmm. uh, it was going to go up in 2021. Now they get the same player only for a, a reduced cap hit for 2021. So not a bad break for the future for them. Um, but if you have $5 million to spend on a one-year deal, would you spend it on a defensive tackle to replace uh, Michael Pierce, a veteran cornerback to come in, and start potentially right away with the young players that you have there or an offensive guard to come in and potentially start right away, which is the best way to spend this money. If, you know, if, if they're not using it to spread out a Delvin cook extension, which I think is a, is a pretty likely scenario, but let's just say they're going to spend it on another play. Yeah. Like you said, I think ideally, I think in a perfect world, you, you, you try to get the cook deal done, especially now that you got the extra cash. But in this scenario that we'll go through, I like the guys that they've brought in the last year or two at both guard to compete with Pat Elfline. We're talking about guys like Drew Samia. Obviously they really like Ole Udo and there's some other young guys too, like Kyle Hinton. And, and what's Ezra Cleveland going to play? Is he going to play left tackle or are they going to try him out at guard right away? So that's three names. I'm, I'm, I'm more confident in then let's just say the nose tackle rotation that we just talked about. I think Snacks Harrison could be a huge upgrade from what they have right now in a Shamar Stephan, Jalil Johnson type of mix and match role. And as far as the cornerbacks go, listen, it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of trial and error this year, no doubt. Uh, Mike Hughes is now your number one cornerback, but I really like what I saw from both Holton Hill and Chris Boyd as far as progression and development goes. And then everything I've seen from, from the tape, Jeff Gladney seems like he can come in right away and have an impact. And Cameron Dantzler, despite being a quote-unquote project, he on film shut down some of the best SEC receivers in the game, Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, and so on and so forth. So I think there's enough potential there to give a – quote-unquote guru like Mike Zimmer, uh, give him a, a few more weeks, a few more months, let him kind of mold and develop those young guys. And I think, if anything, if it's guard, corner, or nose tackle, I think you go spend that money on a one- or two-year deal on a guy like Snacks Harrison or if he go, uh, again, with the ties and connections back in Cincinnati with Mike Zimmer. Yeah, I like that too because if you lose one more defensive tackle then what are you doing at that right. position Where like you at? said you right. don't want to have to move a Fadi Adenabo in and try to play mm-hmm. or try to play James Lynch all the time try to play DJ Wanham at defensive end all the time I don't think or even someone like you know Mata Afa who I'm not sold on yet or mm-hmm. Jalen Holmes who hasn't shown us anything yet I think you lose one of those guys and you have a below average or replacement level player starting. I, I don't think you want that. You'd much rather have some free agent depth. But I do agree with Mike Zimmer on two things. 
Uh, one, he said they need to protect Kirk Cousins better than they did last year. They were 10th in the NFL in terms of dropback percentage where he was pressured. That's not good enough, especially for an offense that rolls the quarterback away from pressure all the time. You right. should be in the top 10 if you run a, a play-action rollout offense in terms of pressure. And I also agree with Zimmer, who once said you can never have too many corners. So if they brought in a veteran corner to compete, let's say it's Drake Kirkpatrick, and Kirkpatrick is not as good as Holton Hill in camp, then say, okay, see ya. You know, and you just move on and go a different direction or keep him as a backup like they had Tremaine Brock in 2017 or George Iloka uh, in 2018. I think there is some value to at least knowing that the player behind the, the starters is going to at least be average when he steps in or know what he's doing when he steps in. So, uh, Luke, what's the Twitter these days? You've got your Twitter back? I got the OG back, baby. So move right, on from, you. yeah, at Luke underscore spin in NFL. I appreciate the follows this last year. <laughs> I'm out of Twitter jail officially. Got that back maybe a few months ago now. So follow me once again if you're not already, at Luke underscore Spinman. Uh, like I said, out of Twitter jail feels good. Hopefully uh, we don't visit that place anytime soon. Not a fun place to be. And uh, your work at Zone Coverage. And uh, be very careful the next time you do an (laughs) extreme in-depth video piece because this one one blew up in your face. I'm done. I'm done, man. It's over. It's over. We'll see you like uh, we'll see you like Michael Pierce. We'll see you in 2021, man. That's right. All right. Well, thanks for your time. As always, Luke, we'll catch up again very soon. You got it, man. Talk to you soon.